Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like updating turbines at one of our Indiana wind farms and producing more oil and gas with fewer operational emissions in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Hey, thanks for downloading the podcast. And remember, if you want to listen live, download the iHeartRadio app, download the TuneIn app, and just search for Fantasy Sports Radio Network, and you can listen to this program live. Also, if you want to watch the video of this podcast, check us out on YouTube, on Twitch, or on Periscope, and type in, you guessed it, Fantasy Sports Network. You'll find us there. Enjoy the show, and thanks for listening. You're listening to the Fantasy Sports Radio Network. You are now tuned in to the Roto Experts. Rise and shine, fantasy players. It is a beautiful day in the neighborhood. Monday, August 6th. Let's cock-a-doodle do it. This is Roto Experts in the Morning, right here on the award-winning Fantasy Sports Radio Network. I am your host, Dane Martinez. They call me Speed, spitting statistician. And as always, I am overjoyed to be joined by my man, FSWA Hall of Famer, the King, Scott Angle. Scotty, how you doing, man, on a Monday? How was your weekend, brother man? It was good. Uh, you know, did some work on Roto Experts, uh, watched some movies, played some video okay. games. Uh, okay. Getting ready for the the flex draft this upcoming Saturday. So yes. a lot going on. Yeah. Absolutely. I'm in the flex draft as well. I'm in the uh, standard, the non-PPR one that goes off first. Which one are you in, Scotty? Uh, I'm in the one that's uh, – I don't think I'm in your league. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm in the league. Uh, you know, clearly Jake Seeley. Frank Stanfall also in the division with me. I'm in the standard league scoring. You must be in the super flex one uh, that goes off a little bit after that. But uh, sounds good. Sounds good. Looking forward to it. Let's get into some of these headlines, um, Scotty, because, like, here's the thing that I like. You know, we had a game. We had the Hall of Fame game on Thursday. We have preseason games, you know, this week. So we are really going to be getting everybody ready. Remember, also, you got to go out and get the Roto Experts exclusive edge fantasy football package don't forget to enter the promo code the king at checkout hey scotty if they want can they enter the promo code winner as well yeah and they can also call enter speeds or really LA. yes really those are on yes. popping i like that yeah. i like that i would stick with, i would stick with the king as a first choice though yeah. All right, all right. Can I, I'm yeah. going to work in that speeds, though. You know i got to work in that speed, yeah. Scotty, a little bit. Yeah. But regardless, if you and when you go out and get the Roto Experts exclusive Edge Fantasy Football Package, some of what you're going to hear are as it relates to um, these news and notes, you know, because I think we have some interesting movement. We had a trade in the NFL yesterday, Scott, and that doesn't happen too often, um, but it did happen yesterday. The Cleveland Browns have sent Corey Coleman to the Buffalo Bills for a draft pick. Now, listen, Scotty, we talk about the Bills and how they may have, may have the worst wide receiving core in the AFC, if not the NFL. We've talked about that. They get a little bit of help in the form of Corey Coleman. I have a couple of questions for you about this, Scott. The first one is... 
does this help Corey Coleman's fantasy value? Like he's probably slotted in as one of the starters in Buffalo. Is that correct? And what does this mean for Corey Coleman? Well, I think it means a fresh start for Corey Coleman and maybe something that he needed. In 2016, Mm -hmm. he averaged 12.5 yards per catch. Uh, He did catch 33 balls in 10 games. Three touchdowns last year averaged more yardage per catch, but really wasn't much of a factor, and then he got hurt. Uh, you know, this is a fresh start for Corey Coleman. It's an opportunity, and sometimes you see wide receivers in the NFL, young wide receivers, they don't cut it somewhere and eventually get traded somewhere else. And, you know, this is probably like the last chance for Corey Coleman to prove himself before he starts bouncing out around the league permanently, I think. He's got to seize this opportunity. He's, you know, so for that reason, uh, I think you put him down maybe as like, you know, one of your wide receiver five or sixes that you draft. But Mm -hmm. you can't have a lot of confidence because, you know, the quarterback situation is shaky in Buffalo, et cetera. And opportunity doesn't always lead to production. Yeah, if you're drafting today, are you taking uh, Corey Coleman or are you taking Zay Jones in Buffalo? I'm probably taking Zay Jones. Okay. Because he's been with the team for two years. And I saw some flashes from Zay Jones, although they were brief. I figured Zay Jones has been there longer, you know, at least for this season since mini camps. And if Corey Coleman's going to vault past him on the depth chart, he has to earn it. Right. It's one of those things you say it even with the rookies also, right? They have to earn it. And similar, Corey Coleman being in a new spot, you know, like you said, Zay Jones has been there for a couple of years already, knows the offense a little bit more. So, you know, maybe maybe over time this will happen. But right now, you still think it's Zay Jones is the number well, two there. And there's a new that? offensive coordinator there, you know. Brian okay, so Ball, maybe. So, so does so that make it maybe it, easier for him to, Coleman, to establish himself ahead of Zay? Yes, but, you know, Zay Jones has you know, had the time in mini camps more and et cetera, oh, okay. and practices to, you know, he's, he's been out with an injury, but he's at least been studying the playbook, et cetera. Right. You know, he's gotten some reps here and there. So it does put him a little bit ahead, not as much as if he was in the same system last year. Gotcha. So the experience isn't over the course of his time in Buffalo. The experience has really been like, you know, kind of in this offseason, getting to learn uh, kind of the new scheme. Let me ask you on the other side of things, though, Scotty, what about on this Cleveland side? Because listen, Scott, last week, what we were talking about was, oh, this Josh Gordon, is he going to report? When's he going to report? Like, is this a blip on the radar? Do the Browns need uh, Des Bryant? You know, that was the narrative around Cleveland last week. We're hearing also that, listen, this Josh Gordon thing, he's not going to report by kind of like the middle of this week. So this brief respite is now turning into weeks. But at the same time, Scotty, like, if they were really worried about Josh Gordon, they wouldn't trade another wide receiver from their roster. You know what I mean? So it kind of makes me think, it kind of gives me more confidence that uh, the Browns truly believe that Josh Gordon will actually be okay and on the field for them in the regular season. Because they wouldn't go ahead and trade another wide receiver if they were seriously concerned about Gordon, right? Of course, you know, that's the obvious conjecture that we can make. But, you know, maybe they're trading Coleman to, you know, to clear the path to bring in Des Bryant. Because, you know, they feel they feel that, uh, you know, that Dez is a guy that can come in and be the insurance for for Josh Gordon that Corey Coleman can't. Dez is more mm-hmm. proven, et cetera. I think it makes a lot of sense because if Josh Gordon is around, that gives you an incredible three wide receiver set. And if he's not, at least you have the stability of knowing that Dez will be there. So I would be surprised if Dez Bryant signs with the Cleveland Browns very soon. 
All right, we will definitely keep our eye out on that because that'll definitely change some of the rankings, not only obviously for Dez, but there'll be impacts on other people, um, obviously Jarvis Landry potentially and Josh Gordon as well. Scotty, uh, more news. Um, maybe this was on Friday. I don't know if you guys discussed it. And by the way, I hope you guys missed me. I saw some. I, I saw one guy. I certainly did not on Twitter, but that's okay. I'm glad that you uh, I stood up, me up for you, though. I know. I saw, that's what I said. I know you backed me up saying Speeds was awesome. Uh, our guy Mike Blewett. Thanks to Mike Blewett also for uh, – uh, you know, filling in for me on Friday. He does absolutely great work. Uh, Blue is sticking up for me as well. But what I did want to discuss, I don't know, I don't remember if you, did you touch on uh, Eric Decker and the Pats on Friday? Yeah, we did. And uh, you did. Okay. Ma- Malcolm Mitchell has returned to practices, kind of, right. uh, you know, throwing, a, throwing another wrench in that wide receiver uh, picture there. Exactly, and that's kind of what I was going to say. You know, listen, uh, later last week we saw Jordan Matthews kind of go to IR, you know, with a, with a significant hamstring injury. I know, Scott, you've been um, telling us to keep an eye on the, the rookie out of Miami, right? Uh, Berrios, I think it is. Braxton Berrios. Right, Braxton right? But, Berrios. But, but here's the thing now, okay? At this point, before we get to a guy like Berrios, we know there's Hogan, right? And Hogan's going to be this wide receiver one, okay? Even for the four weeks that Julian Edelman is not there, right? We still, though, make, help me make sense of Eric Decker, Malcolm Mitchell. I'm hearing reports of Kenny Britt maybe higher on the depth chart than people might have thought about, you know? And that's still in this four weeks before Edelman. But uh, I'm, I got Hogan. I got Britt. I got, you know, Decker. I got uh, Mitchell. I got Edelman. That's five wide receivers there. Help me figure out what's going to be happening here in the early part of the season in New England, or does it become the same as like their running backs where you can't trust anybody because they're such a fantasy herd, Scott? Yeah, Hogan's obviously the guy and mm-hmm. will continue to be a prominent part of the offense as long as he stays healthy. With Edelman out, other people are going to step up, and you got a bunch of retreads there. It's uh, Kenny Britt has shown us absolutely nothing since he's come to New England. Uh, neither has Philip Dorsett, who we can't forget about. And I think, you know, ah, Dorsett, yes. Dorsett probably be more relevant for NFL purposes because they mm. can just work him as a, an occasional deep threat to take the top off the defense, but he really can't do anything else. Eric Decker, to me, is a non-factor, and I think it would be going to be a wasted draft pick. I think somebody in round 14 is going to say, Eric Decker, you know, in your I've draft. Heard of him. And they, you're going <laughs> to laugh at them. Eric Decker scored three touchdown passes in the last two years. You know, that ship has sailed in terms of him having okay. fantasy production. So I think it comes down to really can Malcolm Mitchell stay healthy because he's been in the offense. He has a rapport with Tom Brady. And if he's able to stay healthy, he's a sneaky guy that I like. I like Braxton Berrios, but I think he might be a year or two away. Okay, so maybe like a light round, a lay round flash on a dynasty kind of thing, you know, something like that, where you may want to see like he's the guy who's going to ascend to this role over time. So maybe keep your eye out on him throughout the season, and make sure he's on your benches by the end of the uh, season or when you need to grab him as a potential future piece in New England. Hey, uh, Scotty, here's what I want to ask you about. We've talked about the Miami Dolphins a lot too, and kind of their dearth of weapons, and we talked about the potential impact for uh, rookie tight end Mike Gesicki. Mike Gesicki continues to be, quote-unquote, a top red zone target. Palm Beach beat writer Joe Shad is predicting. I know we've talked about him and how he might be a red zone target as well. Um, Joe Shad, one of their beat writers, is predicting eight touchdowns for Mike Gesicki in his rookie year. Would you take the over or the under on eight touchdowns for Gesicki? I would have to take the under on that one. I think that's a little bit too much of a hype train leaving the station. What do you think? 
Yeah, some beat writers get caught up in it too. You know, all this talk of like Christian McCaffrey getting 30 touches. Right. There was also <laughs> right. a report yesterday that the Dolphins' depth chart was released and Mike Kosicki was, was uh, listed fifth on the depth chart, which is not going to, where he's that's going crazy. to stay. But, you know, that's crazy. I think maybe six touchdowns. You know, what is the kid going to do outside the red zone? Uh, his blocking is an issue. Uh, we heard bad reports in minicamp. Now we're hearing better reports in training camp. I think that all leads to the fact that overall, when you look at it cumulatively, that this kid is going to be unreliable and no more than a fantasy tight end, too. All right. So, again, remember, we talk about it, or at least Speed says it all the time. It's part of my platform to avoid the rookie tight end because it's so hard, <clears throat> excuse me, to pop off right there in your, in your, in your rookie year. So uh, even though there may be some buzz around Gasicki, um, you know, let's temper those expectations. You mentioned the depth chart, Scott, and a lot of teams came out with their first depth chart. So I wanted to bounce some things off you that um, I didn't necessarily think were surprising, but I think are intriguing for fantasy. How does that sound? Sure. Cool, cool. So the first one is we stay in Miami. Um, Scotty, they're listing Kenyon Drake and uh, Frank Gore as co-starters. Not even like an RB1 and an RB2 like we have in some other situations. They are listing literally Gore and Drake as co-starters. Yet, as you know, Scotty, I mean, Kenyon Drake is going so much further ahead of Al, uh, not Al Gore, excuse me, that would be an inconvenient truth, of Frank Gore. Um, you know, you have Kenyon Drake and what which I see is, is Which is back his nickname? Yeah. The inconvenient truth. You yes. have uh, Drake as you know, like running back 14 and then I gotta scroll all all the way down, I still haven't found them just yet, to 60 for Frank Gore. Now, listen, they're on the depth chart as co-starters. That has to represent some value for Gore. Or, like, what does this mean? What Do you buy it? What do you think about these running backs in Miami? I mean, Frank Gore, always there, always reliable. I don't want to buy it because maybe it's more motivational than anything okay. else. Uh, you know, if there's going to be 25 carries in a game, I would say, you know, uh, 16 or 17 would probably go to Kenyon Drake. You know, Gore's going to have his role, but, you know, he's not going to threaten him as the starter. Ultimately, one of the Dolphins beat writers saying that he thinks uh, Drake is going to lead the team in receptions. So you have to think about the versatility. Frank Gore hasn't been a good pass receiving back since his earlier days in San right. Francisco. So, yeah, Gore will have his minor role, I think. And, you know, this kind of indicates it, but I'm not bumping Kenyon Drake down. Okay, fair enough. Uh, another uh, depth chart that we always got to keep our eye on is the running backs in New England. And, Scott, remember, Sonny Michelle is having a knee procedure, okay? He's going to be out for a couple of weeks, <clears throat> maybe even into the first couple of weeks of the regular season. All right, so the Patriots are listing Rex Burkhead as their RB1. Now, Burkhead had some injury issues of his own last year, Scotty, but when he was in there, he, you know, the Patriots running backs – over the last few years have been like, you know which guys are the kind of like between the tackles guys and you know which guys are the kind of like pass catching guys, you know, the James Whites, the Deion Lewises, right? And then you knew about the Gillisleys, you knew about, you know, um, you know, they all had this kind of role. Burkhead was the kind of guy who could run for them and was a threat out of the backfield. And it looks like Burkhead is the RB1. Given this Sony Michelle news, which Patriots running back are you drafting first, Scotty? I'm still drafting Michelle first. You okay. know, the latest report came out is that he should still be ready for the regular season. I think it makes it iffy when you look at the overall reports. But, you know, Burkhead's going to be listed first regardless because he's a veteran. And Michelle still has right. to earn that throughout camp. 
Uh, you know, if this makes Sony Michelle something of a value, possibly, you always mm. have to worry with knee injuries whether they linger. But if people are going to bump him down the board, you know, he's going to bump him down a few rounds. And, you know, then you grab Sony Michelle, and in week four, yeah. when the when they need no longer an issue, you might have gotten them at a nice value. So that's, that's something to consider. Sometimes when people draft, uh, look at injuries while they're drafting, they look at temporary and not long-term outlook, and it causes them to pass on some guys and maybe create some opportunity for you when guys yeah. are bumped down about two rounds. So that's what I'm looking at with Michelle. There's no, there's no indication yet there was – there was a early indication that it might last into the regular season, but then the reports pulled back and said that he should be ready for the regular season. Look, knee injuries can be risky, but uh, you, look, you never know what you were getting with Michelle, even if he was healthy, because right. of how this Patriots backfield always looks. But look, at the same time, it might create it might create some some needed uh, pessimism on too, because I think. You know, there were some people who were drafting him too high, saying he plays high. in a great offense. He was a first-round pick and maybe taking him over some other rookies that he really shouldn't have been taken over. Yeah, no, I, I hear what you're saying there, Scott. Remember, sometimes people were maybe hyping up a little too much and forgetting the fact that the Patriots running backs is such a whack-a-mole situation anyway. But this knee injury can definitely temper expectations. I got to tell you, Scott, I also – listen, this idea of the, the, the uh, kind of injured rookie running back – I have won championships off of this, Scott, in my main dynasty league, my main home league. In 2013, I drafted Le'Veon Bell in the sixth round because he was coming back from an ACL injury, coming back out of college, you know? And I have kept Le'Veon Bell his entire career. I had him as a sixth-round pick, and now this year he's escalated. He's my first-round pick, but that's okay. I will hold on to that, and I have the championship to show for it. You could do, have done the same thing years ago with Todd Gurley. Remember his first— uh, he missed the first four games, I think, his rookie year. So don't completely lose faith on a guy like uh, Sony Michelle. Let me ask you something about this. I saw another depth chart that was intriguing to me, Scotty. John Ross, you know, the guy who could have gotten an island with his 4.240 time, he's listed as the wide receiver two opposite A.J. Green in Cincinnati. You know, people may have forgotten about him last year, but the kid out of Washington, we knew about his speed. He might be an interesting, you know, kind of threat in that offense. They don't have much else. But the way I want to phrase it to you, Scotty, is this. Last year, there were a number of first-round draft picks that did not at the wide receiver position that did not necessarily, you know, kind of return that value. John Ross, I think about Mike Williams for the Chargers, and I think about everybody's darling Corey Davis in Tennessee, who everybody was expecting the flash, but, you know, maybe did once or twice. Out of those three guys, John Ross and Cincy, Davis in Tennessee, Mike Williams with the Chargers, do you expect all three of these guys to kind of take a step forward in their second year and start to realize their potential. John Ross, it looks like will be starting opposite AJ green and Cincy. I think John Ross will be better for NFL purposes and fantasy right. purposes. Post fly pattern off. guy, you know, take the mm -hmm. top off of a defense, separate from a defensive back. But you know, the guy didn't catch a single pass last year. So there's still a learning curve there. Mike Williams, I think uh, will step forward with Antonio Gates out and be a big red zone uh, threat. And with Corey Davis, it's really just you know getting getting more reps than he did last year, and and playing he's playing hurt last year. If he can stay healthy, the guy can really bust out mid season to uh, second half. Okay, <clears throat> fair enough. Let me ask you something, Scotty. Conceptually, you know we say all the time. 
you know, this idea of this wide receiver takes the top off the defense, you know, this guy stretches the field. We talk about that a lot. And some of these guys are, you know, kind of like best ball wide receivers because we know, you know, in the mode of a la Deshaun Jackson, let's say. Um, my question for you is now that John Ross is there. And you say that it'll be better for the offense, you know, uh, better than in fantasy, what he does for the Cincinnati Bengals and what he does, you know, kind of for defenses that have to scheme against this or have to, you know, at least acknowledge this. What does that do for the rest of the offense when when we take the top off? You know, does that mean in my kind of uh, layman's knee jerk reaction that like that means there's more room over the middle for a guy like Tyler Eifert, maybe? Um, does that mean that you're going to have more chances for a guy like Giovanni Bernard one-on-one against the linebacker in space because the safeties are further downfield. What do we mean? Like, help the listener talk about what, you know, what do we really mean when we say it takes the top off the defense? What, what does that enable the offense to do? It, it enables them, you know, to maneuver the safeties more. You know, you can't, you can't load the safeties. Uh, you know, load the safety up in the box nearly as much when you're talking about a deep threat. It does a lot more mm-hmm. for the quarterback. It helps AJ Green. It opens up the field for him. It opens up the middle for Eifert. Giovanni Bernard at best is going to be a third down back, but I think it, it helps Joe Mixon because the mm-hmm. left side of the offensive line is going to be more improved this year. And you know, if, it, if that if that uh, makes the play action. Uh, deep pass even more prevalent, you know, in the Bengals offense. It gives them more offensive balance. Teams can't focus on the rush the running backs as much, you know, and load up up front. So it it really just extends balance to the offense overall. Right, and absolutely, but at the same time, you know, it does those things, right, opens up the field for a lot of other players. That player themselves, though, you know, even though they may have that ability to do that schematically, they're still not getting as much technical fantasy production because, you know, the quarterback's only taking that deep shot a couple times a game. So that's why we say with some of these guys, listen, they may be better for NFL teams than they are for your fantasy team because the impact they have on the offense may help out others more than you see it in their stat sheet as we move on by the way on, oh, go ahead. the definition exactly is is that it's forcing the defense to respect the deep threats by right. playing two high safeties or one deep safety right you know it's kind of the opposite scott of bringing a man in the box right to stop say the running back it's almost like you're taking a man and putting him deep <laughs> right. So then in the rest of the field, you know, the same way you bring a safety down in the box. Now there's only, you know, the two corners and the one deep safety to count for like these pass catchers. It's the right. absolute opposite. Right. You take the, the quote unquote top off the defense. You got to put your safety back further because they got to respect the deep threat. And then you're playing 10 on 11 kind of closer to the line of scrimmage as opposed to vice versa. Um, so yeah, on it was, it was go- Randy Moss that basically yeah. like created this term. Okay, fair enough. Uh, not, not, not him saying it, but just his effect. People talking about him, right, that yeah. what he would do for that. Uh, and then you had guys like Chris Carter and Jake Reed taking advantage of it, right? So that, that sounds yeah, pretty good Jake Reed, how about me. that? Yeah. He was, a, yo, he, was a, um, he was an under-respected wide receiver, in my opinion, Scotty. I think so. You know, he had a, 
He had a few good fantasy seasons that I could Because he had good years when he was the number two with Carter before Moss got there. You know what I mean? Before Moss got there, he was like that number two kind of in the mode of Alvin Harper, let's say. You know? Um, And he was definitely viable in fantasy. I remember a few years there. Um, Scotty, as we move along, I want to let everybody know a couple of things. One, if you want to join the fun here as we put the fun in functional sports radio, the number to call is 844-843-6879. We'll be getting everybody ready to win their leagues and win that cash. Scotty, I'm in uh, drafting with Giants over there. Andy Singleton, my man, the people's pen. That gets started drafting on Wednesday. You talked about the flex leagues. Everybody's getting ready to draft, okay? So send us your questions. You can hit us up on Twitter as well, at Spittin' Speeds, at Scotty Rotoax. Send us your questions. Send us your fantasy football team names because we're doing that contest. Don't forget the Roto Experts exclusive edge fantasy football package. Okay, enter the promo code SPEED at checkout. Don't forget, you could also enter the promo code THEKING. That's probably better. You get direct access to the King's rankings and all sorts of great content there. Um, the other thing, though, is we got a poll question up. My man Chris Bavona down there, the manimal in the pit of misery. Dilly dilly to him. We got a poll question up. And, Scotty, because we talk about this maybe in DFS, I'm reminded of like two years ago when the San Francisco 49ers had like the worst rushing defense of all time. And I'm playing DFS. I'm like, oh, let's just see who the 49ers are playing. Let me look at those running backs, you know, that sort of thing. Or we talk about, uh-oh, this team is playing the Jacksonville Jaguars. I want to, you know, maybe, maybe I want to watch their wide receivers. I want to bench the wide receivers, you know? Uh, We talk about Revis Island and stuff. So here's my question. Which fantasy football position, Scott, do you downgrade the most if they're facing a really big-time defensive opponent? Like, do you downgrade the quarterback if they're facing the best pass rush in the league? Do you downgrade the running backs if they're facing the best run defense in the league? You know, do you downgrade the wide receivers the most if they're facing one of these lockdown corners like Revis in his prime? Or do you downgrade... your fantasy defense if they're facing, like, the Rams or the Packers. You know what I mean? Like, which one do you look at their opponent for the biggest impact in fantasy football, whether it be season-long or DFS? We're going to get that poll question up there right now. Don't forget about, uh, you know, hitting us up and joining the show that way. But, Scotty, what do you think? What do you think? Which one do you kind of adjust for the most? Which position in fantasy? There's no singular answer to that, Uh, and there can't be. It really depends on what player you're talking about and what defense and what personnel they're talking about. It's different in every game, and it's different in every, in every week. There's no, there's no singular position where I say, okay, I worry about the quarterback more because he's facing a good defense necessarily because, look, to be honest with you, you know, if I have Aaron Rodgers, uh, you know, I'm not worried about any defense that he faces, maybe, maybe slightly, but I'm probably more worried about – the wide receivers, but it really First depends. The cornerback. It, it, yeah, it, it really depends on the personnel. Because, and you can't, what a lot of people do is when they look at a team with a tough defense, they it, automatically assume that the defense is going to win that matchup by default. You know, superstar offensive players are superstars because they can put good reason. numbers against anybody. So there's, there's no, I'm sorry, there's no singular answer to that. All right, we're Martinez. talking about some guys are matchup proof. We're going to take our Adidas and we're going to walk around the neighborhood. We're going to come on back after the break. And we're going to talk more to get you guys ready for your fantasy football draft. Dane and Scott, Roto Experts in the Morning on the Fantasy Sports Radio Network. 
Are you new to Daily Fantasy? Are you a veteran? Either way, you can better your chances of winning money and lots of it by going to DailyRoto.com. Multiple people have become millionaires thanks to the guys at Daily Roto. Why not take advice from the experts? You can become a millionaire too. Just go to DailyRoto.com to rock Daily Fantasy Sports. Experts in the morning right here on the Fantasy Sports yes. Radio Network. We put the fun and functional sports content. Hey, uh, Scotty, I didn't get to talk to you on Friday. I know you missed me and all. But on Thursday night, I happened to go to a Jay-Z and Beyonce concert at MetLife Stadium. Two interesting notes nice. about that. One, it was the first time I've ever been at a concert. There was an hour rain delay, Scott. Because uh, I don't know if you remember, on Thursday night, it was pouring. Yeah. It was like a tornado. Yeah, I was in the middle of MetLife Stadium when that was going down. It was an hour rain delay. They made us move into the concourses and whatnot until the storm blew over. Now, I know you've seen, like, Kiss perform and probably have gone to stadium concerts before. Have you ever been to a concert where there was a rain delay in the middle of it? I got to tell you something. I've never been to a stadium concert. Really? Okay. It was my first time. It was my first time at a big-time stadium concert. I guess the biggest venue I've seen something, maybe like an outdoor festival kind of thing where there's a ton of people. I've been that before. I've been to a show at the Barclays Arena here in Brooklyn. But this was a huge show. Uh, Jay-Z Beyonce definitely filled the arena. One thing I will tell you, after a big old concert like that, don't try and find an Uber. It will not happen easily. But anyway, I die. It will not happen cheaply. I remember trying to get an Uber outside City Field. And (laughs) usually from City City Field, if I go from my house to there in Queens, right. you know, I can get it for like 11, 12 bucks. And the guy's sure. like, $45. And I'm like, yeah. whoa. You know, because yeah, it's a it surge. Was- it was an ordeal. Yeah, it's, a, it's all about supply and demand, right? It, uh, yeah. That's just like when you let the draft come to you, right? It's all about, hey, how many wide receivers are left in this tier? You know, it's supply and demand, you know? So yep. I, it, I, it, I, this it's is the why- same kind of thing. This is why, though, and I'm, I'm hearing from you that you, you probably had like a challenging time getting back. You know, yeah, this this I'd is so. another reason why the Jets and the Giants piss me off because I got to go to another state to watch a yeah. football game when supposedly they're a New York football team. I got to take the subway to get to yep. Penn Station, and then New I got to go to New Jersey Transit to go to another friggin' state or from the Port Authority, yep. dr- ride on a bus to another friggin' state. Right, yep. and they get off the bus, and it's still a twenty-minute walk to the stadium. Yeah, trust me. And I did it at like two thirty in the morning <laughs> on Thursday, and then traveled for, for a, a whole bit of a weekend. Team. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. But I am back, and so we, so are we, talking about fantasy football now, Scotty. I know one of the things you like to do because you're, you know, you're out there, you're on the fields, you're on the courts and stuff. You're talking to athletes, and I know that uh, recently you had a chance to spend a couple of minutes with Kevin Gausman, who you know just got traded, right? He's on the, he's with yeah. the Braves now, I do believe, you know, so he's got some new surroundings. So I'm sure you asked him a little bit about that, but a little bit more about fantasy football. I know you like to put these guys on the clock. We're gonna hear your interview with Kevin Gausman. What did you guys talk about? Oh, we talked about fantasy football. He's a Broncos nice. fan and a, a big fantasy football player. He didn't have a good season last year, but I spoke to him uh, about uh, a, a day before his uh, debut with with the Braves. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, he's only too enthusiastic to uh, talk about, about fantasy football. Uh, went out 
and uh, lost to the Mets uh, the next day. Five innings pitched, six hits, three earned runs, uh, two strikeouts, two walks. It wasn't really his. T- it was a solid start, so I don't know how much you can blame him, but he's definitely getting ready for fantasy football this season. All right, cue up to Mr. Red, Scotty. Let's hear it straight from the horse's mouth. Kevin Gausman, <laughs> newly acquired Atlanta Braves pitcher, talking fantasy football. All right, he's going to be talking football with the king, Scott Angle. I do think it's interesting, you know, um, having a good little start there, a quality start, shall we say, as the Braves and Phillies really look to uh, kind of make it, uh, you know, kind of last in the stretch run, you know, there in the National League East. Our guy Bavone is still chopping that up. He's going to let us know when that is ready. In the meantime, though, here's what I want to talk to you real quickly about, uh, Scott. And, you know, I mentioned it on Fantasy Freestyle uh, last week. I said this is going to be one of these kind of big picture narratives of the football season. Like last year, we were talking about, you know, everything from uh, what is a catch to the idea of the anthem and stuff like that. Some of these big picture storylines. Scotty, they talked about it in the Hall of Fame game. I talked about it on Fantasy Freestyle. I think a very big storyline this year, you know, last year was like, what is a catch? I think this year it's going to be what is a legal tackle? Scotty, with this new helmet rule, um, there were a number of plays called for this um, in the Hall of Fame game. I've been I've been railing against the NFL because they haven't really clearly defined it just yet, and they don't know they don't know um, you know how they're going to really adjudicate this. The only unsigned rookie, Roquan Smith, for the Bears, he still hasn't signed because there's part of his like offset contract language that has to do with this. Scott, I think this is going to be a big picture narrative for the entire season when we see guys with penalties and ejections because of this helmet use. Um, do you know what a tackle is in the NFL right now, Scott? I think I know what a regular tackle is, uh, but, you know, but pretty much lowering the helmet, you know, there's a blurry yeah. line there. There's a blurry line there. There is, but I think, you know, they're talking about how they're going to call it, that they might call it with offensive players as well who put their head down. I think it's watch. I think this is something we really need to watch, Scott. Um, And we talk about how the NFL is inconsistent with their discipline sometimes. I really wonder if they're going to be consistent with this call. You know, they say, like, you can call holding on pretty much every play in the NFL. I think the way this rule is written, you're going to be able to call it almost on any play. There's going to be games early in the season where this is going to come into play play just like the catch rule last year Scott I believe it's something we need to keep an eye on do you think that this is uh going to be a storyline or am I making too much out of it no you're not making too much of it it'll affect fantasy it'll affect gambling if Derrick Henry you know lowers his head the two yard line and gets in the end zone and then uh, they take the touchdown away or they throw an interception on the next play you lose fantasy points and then you know by the flip side you know if if uh, you're losing a fantasy game and some defensive back, you know, say, uh, you know, pits, hits Devontae Adams too hard and, right. you know, he drops the ball and then they rule it down at the one and yeah. you're playing against Jamal Williams and the next play he goes in and that scores fantasy points against you and it makes a difference in the over-under, ultimately that stuff's going to fall under a microscope. Yeah, it definitely is. And my fear to be honest, Scotty, my fear about this is that they're going to be big calls and it's like inconsistent. You know, we talk about how like pass interference on the big plays have such a potential to flip the field and change the game. And I'm really worried about this, something that we're going to need to keep our eye on. But down there in the pit of misery, our guy, the manimal Chris Bavona, he's ready with that Kevin Gausman uh, interview. So let's hear uh, the King Scott Angle and Kevin Gausman chatting it up about fantasy football here on Roto Experts in the morning. 
Scott Engel of the Fantasy Sports Network here with Kevin Gausman of the Atlanta Braves, new to the Atlanta Braves. Uh, Kevin, uh, you might be playing fantasy football in a new clubhouse this year. How much are you looking forward to that? Yeah, you know, it's always fun to um, have something to talk to the guys about in the offseason. And, you know, we always, uh, you know, in Baltimore, we, uh, we make it a big deal. We take it pretty seriously. You know, I don't know how they do it here, but um, I guess I'll find out pretty soon. Who's your favorite NFL team? Uh, you know, I grew up in Denver, so probably the Broncos. Okay, so maybe we'll throw Bronco in here for you. We're going to play on the clock where I ask you who you would pick if you were up. Uh, Giants rookie Saquon Barkley at running back or Alvin Kamara, who was a sensation last year, and why? Uh, you know, I think you have to go with Kamara just because of um, last season and what he did. You know, you probably expect him to do a little bit better than a rookie. Um, so I'd, I'd go with Kamara. I'd say he's probably more of a safe bet than than a rookie running back. Okay, at a quarterback, uh, Deshaun Watson or Russell Wilson? Uh, I'm going Russell Wilson on that. You know, he just has a better track record, been around longer in the league. Um, Seems like every year he kind of proves the doubters wrong, you know. So, um, yeah, and I'm a big fan of his too, so I'm going to go with Russell. All right, now you're in Atlanta, so I got to throw a Falcon in there. Let's uh, let's try let's try Julio Jones or DeAndre Hopkins. I'm taking Julio Jones. Um, he's just he's just dominant. Um, you know, when he's good, he can take over a game, and um, you know, I think he's one of the best wide receivers in the league. So uh, tough to bet against him. You know. Let's see if we draft you draft with your heart. Demarius Thomas or Amari Cooper. Uh, you know, I had Amari Cooper last year, um, and he kind of had an up and down year, so I'd probably have to go with Thomas, um, and the fact that he's a Bronco definitely has something to do with it, so yeah, I'd probably say Thomas. Last one for you, Jimmy Graham's now with the Packers and Aaron Rodgers, Graham or Evan Ingram? I'm going Graham, I feel like Rodgers is gonna, gonna find him a lot. So, so now you now you with with the Braves. You're you're in a new league, etc. Uh, people who play in fantasy baseball, play in a national league only sort of universe, are gonna bid up to get your services. How do you feel when you're on the other side? You're the drafted or you're the free agent pickup in fantasy. Not that you know how baseball works, but do you take it as a compliment when people say, "Hey, Kevin, I have you on my fantasy baseball team." Yeah, you know, obviously it's something that uh, the fans just get into it, you know, just like we get into, you know, football in the off season. Um, you know, they get into baseball um, during baseball season. Uh, you know, it's something fun that keeps them engaged. And, uh, you know, I think it's impressive when people do fantasy baseball because um, we play so many games, you know, so it takes a lot of dedication. And with the Broncos this year, how do you like to change a quarterback to Case Keenum? Are you looking forward to that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, he's a, a proven guy. He's been around and, and done pretty well. So, uh, yeah, I'm excited to see what he's got in Denver. They have it, a little bit of brave starting pitching. Kevin Galsman with the King Scott Angle here on Roto Experts in the morning. Scotty, I gotta tell you, I kind of think he was maybe trying to ingratiate himself to his new Atlanta fan base, picking Julio Jones over DeAndre Hopkins there. What do you think? Yeah, it was actually... It, you know, when you when you look at guys like Beckham and Hopkins, I don't take them over Jones because those guys are more consistent in terms of touchdowns. 
And, mm-hmm. you know, while Julio Jones, you know, maybe could end up more yardage than either one of them, I think the all-around numbers are better for Hopkins and Beckham. What struck me, though, is he, he's a guy who likes to go with experience. Notice how he said Kamara mm-hmm. over, over Saquon Barkley because I have Barkley ranked ahead because I just feel like he's nothing against Kamara, but he's going to have way more rushing yards. And, you know, there's no right. way that Kamara can repeat 6.1 yards per carry. I was curious about what he was going to say about Watson versus Wilson. Because uh, you know, so many people are you know so high on Deshaun Watson. Deshaun Watson, yeah. They have, they have the number two fantasy quarterback, but he stuck with experience. And then when he took Graham over Ingram, I said, you know, this guy likes proven performers. Yeah, absolutely. Let me ask you about this Watson thing. And 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 to be quite honest, as it relates to DeAndre Hopkins. Scotty, I mean, you know, they're both Clemson products. You know, everybody's saying how they're going to be able to have good chemistry. People are saying, listen, DeAndre Hopkins has been toiling down there in Houston for years with, you know, lesser quarterback play. You know, we saw how well D-Hop did last year. I think he had 13 touchdowns. He's going off the board as like the second wide receiver. But how much, like, how much can you really extrapolate this out? It's the same as Deshaun Watson, who played only like four or five games. You can't all of a sudden, you know, project DeAndre Hopkins for like 20 touchdowns based on his pace, you know, with D-Hop. You can't think Will Fuller is going to, you know, catch two touchdowns every game. So what do you expect from this combo of Watson and Hopkins? You know, because what we saw in that small sample size last year was out of control. We think it'll be good, but 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 how good? You know, like, what do you actually expect? Do you really think D-Hop is in line for another 12 to 14 touchdowns this year? Look, you can't extrapolate it. You're right. Right. But you certainly have to look for more upside, okay? Because look at the quarterbacks Hopkins has played with. Uh, last year, he caught a career-high 13 touchdown passes when uh, Watson only started six games. And I talk about this in my first-round guide on, uh, on rotoexperts.com, the exclusive Edge Fantasy Football Package, and to the King or El Rey uh, at checkout for a discount, English or Spanish. It goes both nice. ways. When you think of the numbers that Hopkins can put up over a full season with playing with, with, uh, with, with Deshaun Watson. Watson. You, you, you can't just look at the touchdowns alone. I, you know, he's, he's put up terrific numbers playing with garbage quarterbacks for his whole career. And then, then you look at last season, and you look at the 96 receptions for 1,378 yards. You're probably mm-hmm. looking at maybe more like a two, 2015 kind of season where you had a 111 for 1521 at 11. You know, he, I'll take that. He could, <laughs> he, he, could, he could be the best receiver in fantasy football this year. He, this might be a year where he outproduces Antonio Brown, and it wouldn't mm-hmm. strike me as unusual. Listen, I, I hear you. You know, I mean, the idea of like who is actually number one, you know, could be, uh, you know, I, I, I've heard people think Devontae Adams has that chance also with that kind of opportunity in Green Bay. You know, we'll kind of see like when we're talking about the top four or five, like if they stay in the top four or five, you are getting what you valued in your draft. You know, last year, yeah, DeAndre Hopkins, 96 catches, 1,378 yards and 13 touchdowns. Here's the other thing that I think is important when we look at wide receivers, uh, Scotty, DeAndre Hopkins led the NFL last year in targets with 174, 13 more than Antonio Brown, although, you know, he did it, I think, in one more game. I think targets is really, for these wide receivers, Scott, targets are really the most important kind of uh, stat that I look at, and DeAndre Hopkins led the NFL last year in targets. 
Yeah, and, you know, we have these brand-new player cards on rotoexperts.com, which have all these comprehensive statistics. Anytime you read an article and you click on a player, you know, you can look at a player's catch rate, and that's very important because I'm talking about opportunity not always leading to production. When we did our, our projections for the wide receiver in the package, we had to look at the catch rate. And the best receivers had a lot of opportunities, but they also had a very high catch rate. So, you know, that's something that, that uh, maybe if you're going to crunch the numbers as well that you look for. But, you know, Hopkins is so money. In 2015, when he put up those numbers, the quarterbacks were Brian Hoyer and Brandon, Brandon Whedon. Now, wow. the only thing that strikes me, you know, maybe you have Wolf Fuller now on the other side and finally has yeah. a better compliment. You know, maybe that cuts into his numbers. But, you know, for me, there's a – there's a floor of 1,400 yards, 100 yards, and 12 touchdowns there. Okay, awesome. Let me ask you, though, because you said Will Fuller might eat into it. We were just talking about John Ross in Cincy and how his ability to take the top off the defense, similar to what Will Fuller does. We were talking about in Cincy how that helps A.J. Green. You know what I mean? Yeah. So doesn't it – so is it not the same thing? It doesn't uh, – this idea of Will Fuller being able to stretch that defense, doesn't that help DeAndre Hopkins, or is it a different rationale? It it does help. That's the kind of thing. It's like it, okay. there's two schools of thoughts of it. You finally get the other guy there, and it helps the other wide receiver because he doesn't face as much defensive attention. But right. then he's getting a few balls less uh, his way sure. ev- every every game. With DeAndre Hopkins and AJ Green, I think it. I think you know Hopkins has shown that no matter what, that he's going to catch everything in sight. Uh, right. So if you take a little bit of that away from him and you give it over to the other side, you're maybe not going to get 1,500 yards, but you can get 1,400. With A.J. Okay. Green, I think it helps him more because of all the defensive tension that he faces, I think he faces so much that he gets banged up. And, hmm. and, and you know, he's, he misses games, he gets injured because every defense is like beating him to death, you know, down there right. in the secondary and off the line, et cetera. Remember Jalen so Ramsey him, and him getting it, in the fight. Last year. Yeah, I th- no, but that's just physical coverage from a one-on-one guy. Yeah. That's not what I'm talking about. You know, you're going to get double covered. You're going to get beaten to death. You know, the defense is going to be mainly focused on you. And I just don't think physically A.J. Green holds up as well as DeAndre Hopkins, and it helps him more. Okay, fair enough. So we'll definitely keep out our, our eye on on that is uh, what these two Clemson products can do together down there in Houston. I love me some D Hop, the D Hopopotamus. I have them in some dynasty leagues. And listen, if I have the, you know, if I have the seventh pick in a draft, the sixth pick in a draft after if those four big four running backs, maybe Saquon and Antonio Brown are off the board, I challenge you to find someone better uh, than DeAndre Hopkins. Remember, Scotty, we got a poll question up as well. Which fantasy football position do you downgrade or kind of account the most for if they are facing a top opponent? Right now, 40% of you are saying running backs versus a very staunch run defense um, is something that you really look at and consider. My man, Scotty Angle is saying you really got to take it on a case-by-case basis because there's no necessarily clear answer. But with that being said, there's, I'll tell you guys, sim- again. There's a simple reaction to that, too. It's, exactly. You can say you're going to worry about the quarterbacks. What if you are looking at a team that has a mediocre running back and a very good quarterback? You know, mm-hmm. you're not going to worry much about Marlon Mack as you will Andrew Luck against a good defense. Sure. No, absolutely. It's yeah. not only the defense. It's yeah. but but here's the thing: if you have Marlon Mack, right, as that running back, let's say, regardless of if, what defense you're facing, you're dealing with um, 
the Colts offense and what that means every week anyway, regardless of the defense, right? If you own Marlon Mack, you are already considering what kind of um, run running team versus a passing team the Indianapolis Colts are. You already know how their bread is buttered, you know? So I'm wondering about the adjustments based on the defenses that you face from week to week. Here's the other thing I want to tell people, Scotty, is that, listen, we know we're talking about football here, but the fall classic is still something that everybody cares about and is striving to get there. Maybe my New York Yankees won't have won't get there, or at least they'll have to go through the wild card round because of the sweep that happened up in Fenway over the weekend. But if you you want to be at the 2018 Fall Classic, one of the ways to do it is to go on over to DailyRoto.com slash DKMS. We are still doing Daily Fantasy Baseball Contest, right? For free. Just sign up and enter, and if you win, you get a chance to win two tickets to a 2018 World Series game. But remember, the most important part of this is understanding how you can help the fight against blood cancer, okay? Only 30% of bone marrow put, uh, you know, trans... Uh, transplant patients can find a matching donor. That's where you come in. You can really help someone struggling with this disease. Go on over to dailyroto.com slash DKMS to find out a little bit more. Scotty, we're talking about defenses and kind of like which defenses you'd be worried about, right? Like, oh, no, uh, Jalen Ramsey is on my receiver this week, you know, or, oh, no, these guys have, you know, the best run defense in the league. Do I downgrade my running back at all? Like maybe not in season long, but in DFS, I might go a different way. The flip side of this is also true. Sometimes you have really great matchups that, you know, your, your mouth starts watering and you're like, oh, I got to pick this guy. I, I tell you, Scott, I'm reminded of a couple years ago in DFS. I literally went and looked who were the San Francisco 49ers playing against because they had the worst run defense in NFL history. And that was something that I was going to attack. We talk about this a lot, Scott, in DFS that we might want to attack some defenses. So let's maybe give uh, the listeners out there on Roto Experts in the Morning some kind of a roadmap as to uh, which defenses we kind of do want to attack, which cornerbacks we may want to attack, okay? And we got an article out there on the Roto Experts Exclusive Edge Fantasy Football Package about that, right? And one of the first defenses that we talk about, Scotty, it's the Kansas City Chiefs. Now, remember, they lost Marcus Peters in the, uh, the offseason over there and in, in, uh, now with the Rams. And so it looks like they're going to be going at cornerback with David Amerson and Steven Nelson. This doesn't look to be like a duo that strikes fear in my heart. Do you think the Chiefs are a secondary that you can kind of attack when you have your wide receivers or for DFS? Yeah, I think so. You know, if Steven Nelson was a guy that constantly got burned last year. You know, this team got uh, rid of Marcus Peters, and, you know, I think it definitely affects, you know, what happens in the secondary there. And then you got some passing teams in the division like the Raiders right. and, and the Chargers. You know, you, you're going you're gonna to love Phillip Rivers as a DFS play when, mm. when he's facing Kansas City. You know, then it's it's also in terms of, like, how much of a pass rush, you know, can this team get because, you know, that also – helps the secondary as well. And, you know, this team is, I don't think it's going to be fearsome from a pass rush type of perspective either. You know, right, right. now. D4, right, Tom Bahali maybe. Yeah, but it's just like, uh, you know, you still have Eric Berry out there and he's always a threat, but the rest of the secondary doesn't scare anybody. 
Yeah, and Eric Berry also has a safety. Even Ken- Kendall Fuller is kind of inside coverage, right? And this article makes a great point about that. So maybe your outside wide receivers and the running game, quite frankly, are places to look uh, when you're playing against the Kansas City Chiefs. They may be a team to target. Another team, listen, that I thought about all last year. Scotty attacking was the Indianapolis Colts. Okay, they didn't have many kind of, uh, you know, guys that move the needle on defense. They spent their first round draft pick last year on Malik Hooker, right, um, out of Ohio State. But he then tore his ACL. He's on the return. We don't know about that, uh, you know, kind of uh, – they lost Jonathan Hankins, who was their best run stopper. You know, they, they've lost a little bit. Is the return of Malik Hooker, you know, going to really help them in the back end in Indianapolis? Or are the Colts still uh, a defense that you identify and target moving forward? Yeah, they're, they're a team, I think, that's going to get a lot involved in a lot of shootouts. Okay. Uh, you know, you just look at, like, the front seven really doesn't scare anybody either. You know, I'm looking at the defensive line, and it's a bunch of no-names. Yeah, so the Colts are definitely someone to attack. The Chiefs are someone to attack. And I got to end with this, unfortunately, for you, Scott. I know, I know how you care about this team so much. What about the Seahawks, Scott? Like, I mean, I don't think they're a bad defense, right? But relatively to where they were before, if, if they take a step back, right? And that's all I'm saying. They go from, say, like elite or very good to like, you know, above average, let's say, right? They could go from, say, the third best defense to, like, the ninth or tenth and still be okay but still take a step back. Are you, um, as if you're an off, you know, they're your skill position players on your fantasy team, are you, uh, like, more confident going against the Seahawks this year? You're definitely more confident, but there are a few caveats, you know, a few details you got to talk about, and maybe mm-hmm. we can talk about it a little bit more after the break because I think it's, I think it's more... Okay more of a comprehensive breakdown than to say yes or no. Okay, fair enough. So that's what we will do. You know, our number one is pretty much in the books. When we come back here on Roto Experts in the morning, right here on the Fantasy Sports Radio Network, we'll dive into that maybe a little bit more, Scott. We also got, you know, a recap of some news and notes for any of our new listeners. And then what we're going to do, listen, Scott, it is week one of the preseason starting, right? So our guy, Frank Stanford, one of our best friends forever, outlined some of the big camp battles for every team. We'll preview some of those as well. Our number two If you want to vote on the poll, get on in. If you want to join the show, 844-843-6879. When we come on back, we keep talking football. It's Scotty Angle, the king, El Rey. I'm the spitting statistician right here. Roto Experts in the morning. Come on back. You're listening to the Fantasy Sports Radio Network. Tuned in to the Roto Experts. Welcome back, Roto Experts in the morning. Hour number two here. El Rey de Fantasy and the Spitting Statistician. You everything you need to win your leagues and win that cash. And guys, if you've been listening to Roto Experts in the morning, you know I have been angling for a while over on that Roto Experts. Of Edge Fantasy Football Package to establish the promo code L Ray and to establish the promo code Speeds 
So go ahead and use those as well as you're going ahead and getting everything you need to win your leagues and win that cash in fantasy football this year. Preseason games will get off in earnest this week. We're going to have a lot to preview, a lot to break down, and unfortunately that means probably some injuries to cover as well. But if you didn't have a woman with us at the top of the show, and who blames you because it's very early in the morning, but now here at the 8 o'clock hour, um, you may still not know that there was a trade in the NFL yesterday, Scotty. This is one of our uh, headlines for the day. The Cleveland Browns traded Corey Coleman to the Buffalo Bills for a draft pick. Seems like you're getting word on what that draft pick might be. It's really at the bottom of the draft and years, you know, kind of in 2020, <laughs> that sort of thing. But let's talk again. What does this mean? You know, Corey Coleman moving over for the Bills. Let's take the Bills side first. What does this mean for the Bills wide receivers vis-a-vis Benjamin, Zay Jones, and now Corey Coleman? How do you think the pie gets split up now in Buffalo? Look, they have a new offensive coordinator, Brian DeBow, but uh, Zay Jones has been there ready at least when he hasn't been hurt to get some reps and to learn the playbook. So he's already ahead of Corey Coleman in the learning curve. I think that maybe they're hoping that Coleman can become more of a pure deep threat than these other two guys and maybe slot in as that third wide receiver. Uh, but also, look, Zay Jones, you know, if he can't stay healthy, Calvin Benjamin is in trouble staying healthy. He could be a factor. You know, this is, I think, a pivotal pivotal season now for Corey Coleman because mm-hmm. they just gave up a seventh-round pick in 2020. They basically threw the guy away, you know, right. and look where, look where he was drafted. And he's got to step forward this year or become just another failure that bounces around the league for years. I mean, you look at guys like him and – Laquan Treadwell, et cetera. Right. You know, that Michael Floyd. They, Michael Floyd, they spent – well, Floyd is – I'm looking at guys in more recent seasons like hmm. Laquan Treadwell who, like, they spent this high draft capital on him, and now they're faced with, like, okay, you better do something or you might be out of the league or you could be bouncing around it. So I keep Corey Coleman on my radar in a larger league. Maybe he's a final-round pick, but uh, not a lot to move the needle fantasy-wise. Fair enough. Last chance saloon for Corey Coleman. Let's take it on the other side of things. Let's look at this Cleveland situation now, okay? Now, without Corey Coleman there, we know Jarvis Landry is apparently showing out in practice. I really believe Jarvis Landry is going to be a solid wide receiver, too. We know there's Josh Gordon there as well with his trials and tribulations. We know about the buzz about potentially Des Bryant joining the dog pound. Them clearing out Corey Coleman. One there you go, Scotty. One school of thought is, listen, this might mean that uh, they have faith that Josh Gordon would be there or else why would they trade other wide receiver assets? But one of the other schools of thought, you mentioned it in our previous hour, is maybe they're just clearing the way for Dez to feel comfortable as, uh, you know, kind of a, um, a main piece of the offense in Cleveland as he does sign. Well, let's read the tea leaves. What do you think this means for the Browns wide receivers, Scotty? I'm going to say that means Des Bryant signs with them this week. Really? It makes a lot of sense now for Bryant because when you have Des Bryant, Josh Gordon, and Jarvis Landry to load up against defenses, that's nice. That's nice. Look, Des is overrated. He's only had three good years. I don't care what some wacky homers say. He's never going to be in the ring of honor (laughs) because, like, Drew Pearson and Michael Irvin in the ring of honor, and he's nowhere comparable to those guys. But he can still be a threat, and he can still gain defensive respect. So if you're attacking a defense with those three wide receivers, you're really putting a lot of pressure on the secondary. And then if you can't trust Josh Gordon, you say, look, 
We still got Dez. He can stand, step up and be our number two. He can either be he can either be a necessity as our number two or a luxury as our number three. Yeah, I like that. And we talk about also the types of wide receivers uh, that a team has. And you know what I like about this fit potentially with Dez in Cleveland is that, you know, Dez is one of these kind of tough at the point of the catch box out wide receivers, right? Jarvis Landry, we talk about as great in the slot, kind of a shake and bake Ricky Bobby kind of in the in the slot going underneath kind of wide receiver. And Josh Gordon is this Please get the invisible fire off my friend. There you go. Shake and bake, tiny baby Jesus. Right. And then, um, and then Josh Gordon is this kind of explosive playmaker all over the field. They have different kinds of wide receivers. Don't forget about the ascending second-year tight end, David Njoku. And, of course, one of the best PPR backs out of the backfield in the entire NFL and Duke Johnson. They got a top 10 offensive line, in my humble opinion. They got a running back, you know, kind of timeshare, at least on the early down stuff with Hyde and uh, the, the rookie Nick Chubb. They have some playmakers in Cleveland, which is why I've already said, I believe the Cleveland Browns have a viable chance to be in second place in that division, the AFC North. Scotty, one or two other things that we did not talk about at the top of the hour last, uh, last hour but I think is interesting. Um, one, because it primes one of your guys to really clear the path to maybe some relevance here in his rookie year. The uh, New Orleans Saints cut Brandon Coleman over the weekend, Scotty. And we talked about how Brandon Coleman is a guy who never really caught on. They wanted him to kind of be this heir apparent to a guy, maybe like a Marquise Colston, the big bodied kind of wide receiver. It never really happened. I think this is opportunity for not only Cam Meredith, who's coming back from the ACL, but you, Scotty, keep on talking about Traquan Smith, their third round pick. Uh, one less hurdle for a guy like Traquan Smith to, to clear uh, in his path to relevance, right? What do you think about that? Uh, those Saints wide receivers? Uh, could this be a good sign for your boy Traquan? Yeah, well, I liked him anyway. We heard Coleman was on the roster bubble. There's some talk right. now they might bring him back uh, after they feel he's physically recovered. You know, Cam Meredith has shown some upside, but he's also has been able to stay healthy. Traquan Smith is a big body who catches the ball in traffic, knows how to shield defenders, etc. So I think uh, I think Traquan Smith is a guy to watch if Cameron Meredith doesn't stay healthy. Okay, kind of definitely a later on in your drafts. If you're going to take flyers in certain places, we like taking a flyer potentially on Trey Quan Smith down there in New Orleans. We've got a poll question up as well, Scott. We're asking people today, which fantasy football position do they maybe downgrade or at least consider most the opponent they're facing? And if it's a top opponent, is it a quarterback versus a big-time pass rush, a running back against a big-time run defense, a wide receiver against a big-time secondary, or your fantasy defense against against a very prolific offense right now. 47% of the people, Scotty, say wide receiver versus a secondary. I mean, I remember, Scotty, in years past, you know, that's where the term Revis Island came from, right? You were sitting your wide receivers if they were facing Darrell Revis, you know? In more recent years, maybe you're getting the same treatment with a guy like Jalen Ramsey. I personally love Xavier Bumpy Rhodes in Minnesota. We talk about the Denver Broncos quarterback kit tandem a couple of years ago as as well with the Harrises and the Talibs and whatnot. Um, Scotty, I, I kind of agree with them with the wide receivers maybe versus this shutdown corner. Are there any corners, Scott, who you stay away from? Like who you are staying away from, maybe more in DFS, right? Maybe not in, in season long. Because if you have your guy, you know, Mike Evans, let's say, you're not sitting him, even regardless of what cornerback he's facing. But maybe at the bottom, you know, kind of on the fringe sides of your roster or in DFS plays, what cornerbacks are you kind of like 
avoiding, let's say, a la Darrell Rivas? Because 47% of the people are saying that's the place to really consider the opponent. You know, again, I do disagree with this whole poll in principle. I'm not trying to be a hard <laughs> butt here. But, you know, it, you really can't say it's one position that you worry about because every team offensively has different personnel and scheming, and every defense has different personnel. So it goes from week to week. And, you know, what a lot of fantasy owners do is when they're facing a tough defensive player, you know, they they worry about the offensive player. If the offensive player is a star or a superstar, the defense doesn't always win by default. So, you know, you have to take it on the case-by-case basis. That said, in a long-winded way to answer your question, you know, Xavier Rhodes is somebody, you know, that I could get concerned about, but I'm not going right. to sit Devontae Adams because – and you have to remember that sometimes these corners don't always play man. You know, sometimes they play zone. So you, ha- you, you can't look at it just one-on-one. You think Jalen Ramsey is somebody you, uh, you definitely mm-hmm. worry about. Uh, you know, uh, Darius Slay, I think sure, I big think play Slay. very – very underrated, but you know there's other places to attack in that secondary. You know, you look at both Jaguars quarterbacks, like AJ Boye, AJ Boye. you know, is, is another guy that you you worry about, and uh, you know Marshawn Lattimore of of the Saints mm. is another one that you think about as well. So, but there there's not anybody on the list where I'm going to say, okay, I'm sitting my my number one wide receiver against this guy. Fair enough, and I agree with you, you know, when it comes to, like, your number one wide receiver, but maybe in DFS, you know, it's definitely something to consider, the matchup you're playing against, right? We've talked about this before. It seems like you're talking about... In DFS, say, like, sure, yeah. Yeah. Not seasonal. You know, that's, yeah, that's what I mean. Or maybe you're season-long. Maybe you're season-long team, Scotty. It helps you decide of starting your wide receiver three or your wide receiver four. Is that fair to oh, say? Yeah. Like, let's say who you have your wide receiver that, three and your first bench wide receiver, and one of those, and your wide receiver three happens to be playing the Jaguars, right? Or by what we're saying, the Vikings or the Broncos or the Chargers or some of these good secondaries, right? That, that could be a factor. I agree with you. Not at Mike Evans, not at Devontae Adams. You're not sitting Julio Jones because they're facing, you know, Xavier Rhodes. I got that. But in DFS or between maybe your wide receiver three or four, it's something to consider. And it sounds like you're saying, you know, Vikings. Broncos, Jaguars, Chargers. These are secondaries to consider at that level or for DFS, right? For DFS more than anything, you know, because, you know, coming through my mind, you're not going to start a number, like not going to sit a wide receiver one on an NFL team in a lot of cases, I think. And when you're talking about the lesser wide receivers, they're not going to face the number one corner very often. And if they are then it's a bad offense to begin with because you're talking right. about, for instance, Kelvin Benjamin, you know, going against, you know, uh, A.J. Boye or somebody like that. Well, mm-hmm. you don't want to use him anyway against that defense. So sure. how often are you really going to sit your wide receiver ones? That's, that's not what you drafted them for, and you can't assume that your wide receiver ones are going uh, – your high-end wide receiver twos are going to, you know, be worthy of sitting against anybody. And the wide receiver threes and fours – you know, they're not going to face a number one quarter or they might be facing a zone and the whole thing is moot. 
Fair enough. Fair enough. We do mention some teams, like you said, in Jacksonville, where the number two corner in A.J. Bouye is still really strong. We talk about the Rams, right, where they're going to have Peters and Tlaib. So, on, you know, maybe those are situations where the number three or four wide receiver on your fantasy team might have a tough day. Uh, Scotty, it's occasional. It's occasional. Like, say Pittsburgh's playing Jacksonville. I'm yep. not going to bench Antonio Brown, especially but Juju. on the road. But, you know, if I, if I have a decision between Juju Smith-Schuster and Jarvis Landry, right. you know, I might go with Jarvis Landry. If I'm playing in a 10-team league, this more comes into play. Okay, fair enough. Yeah. Listen, Scott, I've never said it's about the wide receiver ones, right? We're talking about maybe in DFS, maybe when deciding between on your roster, your three or four, you know, some things to consider um, depending on uh, some of the secondaries they may be facing. But, of course, your studs, that's a reason why they are your studs is because you can start them any way, shape, or form. Scotty, uh, one of the things we were talking about before we uh, hit the top of the hour, last hour, we were talking about fantasy defenses like that are the flip side of this, right? Maybe you have a little bit of concern in DFS if you're facing the Jaguars, if you're facing the Vikings, something like that. But the opposite is still true. There are definitely some defenses to attack. We talked about the Kansas City Chiefs. We talked about the Indianapolis Colts. And I brought up the case of the Seattle Seahawks. Now, Scott, I know this is close to your heart. Why don't you explain, say, uh, to the listeners out there, while, yes, and I think you acknowledge, Scott, that this defense may take a step back, but that doesn't mean that they're going to be, like, horrible or anything. I believe they could take a step back from elite to, like, you know, above average, but that still would represent something of a step back. Talk to me about how you think it plays out in Seattle this year. I think it depends on who they're playing against. If they're, they're, they're facing a team with, you know, uh, a, say, a lower-end wide receiver crew, like they, they face Dallas in, in week three in the home opener, and I can't see that, 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 that uh, wide receiver crew threatening that secondary in a major way. Now, also, if it depends. If Errol Thomas is not going to be there, that secondary becomes more vulnerable, period, and that's what right. teams are going to attack. If he's there, you know, that's still a, a pretty darn good secondary, although not as good as it used to be. I think with Bobby Wagner still at middle linebacker and they still have some talent on the, the defensive line, that's not going to be a given that, you, that teams can run very well against uh, the, the Seahawks on a consistent basis. Now, you look like when they face Todd Gurley, you know, Todd Gurley can tear them up regardless. But when they face other teams on their schedules, like, you know, they got the Raiders and, uh, you know, the, like a team like, for instance, they second week they play the Bears. A physical mm-hmm. running back like Jordan Howard, uh, I think he, he might have trouble racking up some, some yardage against Bobby Wagner and, you know, the interior of that line. But if they get Tariq Cohen out in space, right. he, could do some, he could do some damage if he can get to the second level. So I think it depends on who they're facing. They faced Denver in the first week. I'm not going to start any Denver running back against a team with Bobby Wagner. Yeah, but I certainly would like Devarius Thomas and Emmanuel Sanders against that secondary if there's no Earl Thomas. So I think it depends on what opponent they're facing because personnel-wise, they can still be pretty good against the run, but they'll be weaker against the pass. All right, fair enough. Okay, this is the things we're talking about a little bit today here on Roto Experts in the morning. The idea of looking at the defense, the composition of the defense, and how to potentially attack them. Here's another thing I want to tell you guys, okay? Listen, 
Okay, part of the reason that DFS is a struggle is you're playing against these guys with their algorithms, guys that put in like 50, 100 lineups into the same contest. Sometimes you don't have a chance playing against the Sharks. But let me remind you guys, don't forget, Fantasy Factor is the only exclusively single-entry DFS site, okay? They have free roles registering all the time and great promotions for free prizes. Keep a lookout for Fantasy Factor's free $1 million survivor contest opening about a week before NFL kickoff go to fantasyfactor.com for more information that's fantasyfactor.com scotty i love that okay single entry contest this way we ain't got to worry about people putting in 50 100 lineups i think it gives everybody uh an even chance single entry dfs contest what do you think about that scotty yeah uh it, it basically trims down the field and yeah. i enjoy playing in those more you give it gives you a better better chance to win than somebody with like like you said you know 10 lineups and they're using an algorithm or way more than yeah. that, you know, it really turns down your chances. Uh, you know, today, today's fantasy landscape outside of that site, sometimes to break even if you're running out multiple lineups feels like an accomplishment. Yeah, absolutely, but I like leveling the playing field. Check it all out over at FantasyFactor.com. I'm going to try my hand there this season to win my league and win a little bit of cash. Scotty, we're talking about defenses and kind of how you can attack them based on their personnel or when it is right to do so, how you don't worry about these quote-unquote matchup-proof guys on the top of your roster because they are your studs. That's, that's the exact reason, right? But maybe you mentioned it with Seattle, the kind of composition of their defense and the way you may need to attack them. And so I bring up another team that's in this article right here on the rotoexperts.com exclusive edge fantasy football package, and that's the Miami Dolphins. Okay, Scotty, they lose in Dominic and Sue, right? So you know that's got to have some impact on their run defense, right? Kiko Alonso as their middle linebacker kind of struggles in coverage. You talk about this, uh, you know, maybe, you know, similar to the Wagner role in Seattle. And, but here's the other thing. Okay, they have Minka Fitzpatrick as one of their cornerbacks, Scott. They've got a dumpster fire on the other side. I'm reminded a couple years ago, the Tennessee Titans secondary, when they had like one cornerback, the wide receiver two facing the Tennessee Titans blew up every single week because they just didn't have the personnel outside of their first cornerback to have that coverage. I worry maybe about the Dolphins in the same way this year. You got Minka Fitzpatrick on one side, but then a bunch of guys off the scrap heap on the other. So then I think about wide receiver twos that may be able to attack Miami. Do you buy that angle at all? What do you think about attacking the Dolphins' defense this season? I actually think the best part of their defense is the secondary. And okay. it's not quite as easy. Not only do you have Fitzpatrick, but you got Rashad Jones, who is a, hmm. is a great safety. Uh, you, you have TJ McDonald there. That, that, that's, a good, that's a good pairing of safeties. Right there, I think. Uh, I don't think this secondary uh, is as vulnerable as you make it out to be. The okay. problem with the the problem with this team, though, is is that you know they've lost some significant pieces and they haven't replaced them. You know they're kind of becoming like the Marlins in a way, and you know they lost Sue. They right. they didn't replace him. the The front set and they did put they did get Robert Quinn on the end. And, you know, this team might generate something of a pass rush. But if anything, I believe that the linebacking crew is the biggest weakness of this mm. defense and not the secondary. So, you know, I think pass receiving running backs are really going to eat against the Dolphins this year. 
Interesting, interesting. Pass receiving running backs might have a chance against the Dolphins. And then when we talk about it, let's bring it full circle, Scotty. We were talking about these New England Patriot running backs, right? And how, you know, a guy like James White out of the backfield, how we liked what Rex Burkhead could do out of the backfield. When he's back again healthy, the Jets' Elijah McGuire may be interesting as a DFS, a cheap DFS play against the Dolphins. Is that what we're talking about? If he's healthy, yeah. That's what I'm saying. If he gets back, and they do expect him, you know, he's not going to miss the whole season with this. But, you know, like say in a week eight matchup, Jets versus Dolphins, given the way you're talking about, maybe Elijah McGuire can be an interesting punt play or, or that Bilal, kind or, of or running Bilal back. Powell. Sure. The Bilal, right. The pass catching running back can just have like, some opportunity. Yeah, I just like running backs in general, you know, against the Dolphins this year because, mm-hmm. you know, they may no have suit. something of a pass rush on the outside. But I think they're going to be exposed on the inside. So, uh, you know, when I'm looking on, on a week-to-week basis, it's like, you know, Dion Lewis, you know, opens yep. against the Dolphins this year. Uh, mm. You know, I think that's going to be a superb DFS play. And from a seasonal perspective, uh, I think he's going to get off to a great start. Uh, yep. I was reading one Bengals beat writer who said he thinks Joe Mixon with an improved left side of the defensive line could actually lead the, the AFC in rushing this year. So I'm looking wow. at uh, Joe Mixon week five against the Dolphins. Uh, you know, that that's something else I like. And in week six, Tariq Cohen to get against the Dolphins, that's nice. something I'm going to like too. Okay, so we're talking about the kind of back that can attack a, um, the Miami Dolphins. Scotty, let me bring up one more uh, cornerback, two to potentially attack here. And, you know, we've talked about the New York, I won't say football giants, the New York Giants, however. Listen, you got Janoris Jenkins, Jackrabbit on one side, right? They lose DRC. And I'm going to tell you the truth, Scotty, if like, uh, you know, I don't know, January 10th last year, if you had me bet will Eli Apple be a member of the Giants this year, I would have laid heavy odds against it, the way that locker room was talking. But lo and behold, Eli Apple is back for his third year in New York as the number two cornerback. And by all accounts, he's been kind of a bust, and he's also not really been the best teammate. If you have the second wide receiver on a team facing the Giants, are you licking your chops maybe in the DFS format? Might that be another place to attack? Because, you know, Jackrabbit, Jenkins is going to have one guy, but the other side of that field is patrolled by Eli Apple, and that's not really that great of a patrol. Yeah, it also depends, you know, you know what's the Giants' defensive scheme going to be, though? Mm. You know, because you can always roll the safety over to get help, but still I like what you're talking about in concept because, you know, with Snacks Harrison up, you know, as a great the nose run. tackle, uh, then you got Olivier Vernon and Alec Ogletree. You know, the Giants might actually be pretty good against against the run. So I think, you know, you might want to take a look at at, uh, at number two receivers who can burn against this team. Like when right. they face the Eagles, uh, a little but, Aguilar, how, how, little Wallace. how are the Giants going to draw up the coverage? And you can't assume anything in a divisional game. So, sure. you know, I'm getting I'm getting kind of number crunchy here. But like, like, you know, when I'm looking at, say, uh, when I'm, when I'm looking at, 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 say, it's a divisional game, I can't assume anything. It could always be lower scoring because of the familiarity. So I would probably trim it to, like, non-divisional opponents where okay. I like the number two wide receiver. Uh, like, you, you take a look at the sure. Giants' schedule, and they have okay. a lot of non-divisional games early. Jacksonville and Dallas don't excite me, but, you know, looking at week three, 
uh, at Houston, you know, I'm going to love sure. Will Fuller that week. Little Cam uh, Meredith week four. Little Cam Meredith, well, a week four. And then DJ uh, Moore week five. And then, and then week seven, you know, I'm looking at Calvin Ridley. Sure. Maybe even a Muhammad Sanu, whoever, you know, we'll see how nah, it works I out. I never like look that. at Muhammad Sanu. It's a new day. You never know, Scotty. You never know, Scotty. That's my, that's my Muhammad Sanu. But uh, if you agree, one of the ways to attack this is to uh, get up on the poll. All right? We got a poll up there at Fantasy Radio. You can always follow us at Roto Experts, at Spit and Speeds, at Scotty Roto X. Right now, 36% of you are saying wide receivers versus the secondary is something to be considered. 32% of you are saying running backs against a different run defense. Hey, Scott. Speaking of running backs, there's one piece of, uh, you know, kind of coach speak that I heard over the weekend that I still haven't had a chance to bounce off you. We go up to Minnesota where uh, head coach Mike Zimmer is saying that Dalvin Cook is like ready right now. I guess a beat uh, beat reporter asked him, you know, will Dalvin Cook be ready for week one? You know, he's not wearing the knee brace and all that stuff. And Mike Zimmer goes, nah, man, Cook is ready right now. I see him going, you know. Pretty high. When I look at running backs, you know, I see you have, um, let's see, you have Cook as your RB11. And then I think about other wide receivers that are, I mean, excuse me, other running backs that are right there in your rank, Scott. I'm looking at 9, 10, and 11. Okay. And with Dalvin Cook, he's coming back from the knee. The ACL, right? We talk about Devontae Freeman, who you have right there also, right? But he has, you know, he's had injuries of his own. A lot of people are concerned about the head injuries even with Devontae Freeman. Then at number nine, you have Leonard Fournette, Big Leonard, who has a history of leg issues as well, has even tried to trim down, let's say, to kind of reduce some of that, you know, load that he's carrying. Out of these three guys, and these are guys like maybe you're on the turn, Scott, maybe early second round, Fournette, Freeman, and Cook. I see how you have them ranked. I guess my question is, Scotty, like, of these guys, do these injuries or tracker, do do they concern you at all? Which one of these guys are you most, say, confident in will, you know, return 15 games for you this year? Because that might be uh, something that breaks the tie for an owner at the back end of the first round or the top of the second round as it relates to Cook, Freeman, and Fournette. How do you feel about their health coming in and, their, and your confidence with that? Well, if you've seen some of this, the camp video that's come out of Dalvin Cook and some of the reports that have, have come out, uh, he's absolutely uh, been terrific. What you can't do mm-hmm. as a fantasy owner is say he had a major injury last year and I'm worried about him this year if the guy is recovered. He you know, he suffered their injury early enough in the season. It's, you know, just because you injured something once doesn't mean you're necessarily going to injure it again. So you have to keep that in mind. You can't, you can't let last year creep in too much. So, you know, that's, you know, that's why I like Cook. But to me, Fournette is just going to be more of a focal point of his offense than Cook is. And that's why I have him ranked higher. And, you know, Fournette, Fournette you know, was able to play – uh, you know, despite some injuries last year, we still have to see it from Cook as much as this is essentially Cook's rookie year. So that's why I have Fournette ahead. And with Devonta Freeman, I really worry about the concussions and the soft tissue injuries. The more I talk it through, the more I think I might drop him a little bit behind Christian McCaffrey. Okay, fair enough. And maybe even uh, Dalvin Cook. And when you're faced with this uh, decision in your draft, maybe you lean towards Cook over a guy like Devontae Freeman. You don't want your first, your RB1 being a head injury concern. When we come back, we're off and running a little bit more. We even do a little bit more team name contest. The fun and functional sports radio, Roto Experts in the morning. 
There's only one place to get the best fantasy football advice. That's rotoexperts.com. And there's only one way to get the most detailed analysis, and that's by getting the exclusive Edge Fantasy Football Package. You get our cheat sheet generator, plus a player database with sortable projections and rankings, plus all your favorite articles, including breakout candidates, sleepers, busts, and rankings. You can also join the fantasy community with our 24-7 Slack chat channel. Register now at rotoexperts.com for the exclusive Edge Fantasy Football Package. And start winning your fantasy football leagues for 2018. Welcome back to Roto Experts in the Morning, right here on the award-winning Fantasy Sports Radio Network. Dane Martinez, they call me Speed, the spitting statistician, the stable genius and vocal minority. And we got the king, El Rey de Fantasia, Scott Angle here. We're putting the fun and functional sports content. It is preseason week one, people, okay? So, I mean, getting into this week, we're going to start breaking down point spreads. We're going to start breaking down things to watch, indicators to watch in these preseason games. Remember, Scott, when we say we need to read the tea leaves, well, what we see in preseason games are going to be a part of those tea leaves that we see. Who's running with the ones? Who's running with the twos? How they're using certain people, right? You know, Scott, we talk about it all the time. Like, which Minnesota Vikings wide receiver is really going to be in the slot? You know, will it be Diggs or will it be Thielen? What does that mean? What is the chemistry built up with, say, Alex Smith and a shot of Jamison Crowder? Things like this. We're really going to start seeing, you know, maybe some of the Indianapolis Colts running backs, you know, that we talk about all the time, Scotty. I'm very excited to see what Jordan Wilkins and Naheem Hines can do for Indianapolis because I think those might be the guys that are going to help me win my leagues. Everyone's talking about, you know, everyone's talking about Nick Chubb and Ronald Jones and Rashad Penny and people like that. And I really believe that Naheem Hines and Jordan Wilkins are going to have a role in Indianapolis as well, Scotty. I know you like these Colts rookie running backs, right? Yeah, we did a new video series that you can see on the FNTSY YouTube with Corey Parson and myself. And uh, we talked about Colts running backs, and Corey said, you don't go to Indianapolis for running backs. I said, well, that's if you look backward and you don't look forward. You know, right. if, uh, if you're looking for a final round pick, Jordan Wilkins is having a great camp and might be this team's physical outside runner. And Naheem Hines is – he's a new – he brings a new dimension to the mm-hmm. Colts offense they've never had before. Now, look at how often Andrew Luck has gotten hurt, Dane, right? That's you right. Know, you know, the team's always crushing the pocket and hitting them. He's never had a running back outlet receiver to throw to who can bail him out and also be a really nice chess piece against the defense. Mm -hmm. Naheem Hines could be the the next Darren Sproles. Mark it down right now. This kid can catch 60, 70 passes. You know, right out of the gate, maybe as a yep. rookie. You know, maybe it's a little rich, and sometimes I'm, I'm one year too early on a guy. Right. But I look, I think he has the upside to catch. You know, a ton of passes out of the backfield to be a real yeah. playmaker. And by 2019, man, he's going to mm-hmm. be maybe like one of the top pass receiving backs, if not the top pass receiving back in fantasy mm-hmm. football. Although Tariq Cohen will say something about that. Do not sleep on Naheem Hines. Yeah, absolutely, Scott. I am so completely with you. I am all in on Naheem Hines. I, t- I think you're right, Scotty, especially like he has 
not had this kind of opportunity before, you know, and he has not, and he being Andrew Luck, I mean, has not had a kind of back that he could just dump it off to when the pressure is there. Remember, Frank Gore played a completely different role for this team. This kid has breakaway speed. He ran a 4-3-40 at the combine. I believe you. I agree with you, Scotty. In Dynasty Leagues, I'm taking Naheem Hines. I think you did as well in the first round of a rookie draft. But also, here's the other point, Scotty. The Colts wide receivers outside of T.Y. Hilton are not really something to write home about. We're talking about Chester Rogers and stuff. We talk about Jack Doyle as the tight end. I know you don't believe in Eric Ebron, but that's what we're talking about. They need another dynamic weapon for Andrew Luck, and Naheem Hines fits the bill. We talk about all the time how much we love these PPR kind of running backs, Scott. You know, the Theo Riddicks of the world, the Duke Johnsons, the Chris Thompsons of the world. You mentioned Ter- Cohen, I really believe Naheem Hines slides right into that role this year in redraft leagues for the Indianapolis Colts. Scotty, it sounds like Naheem Hines is someone. Go ahead. Andrew Luck, sorry. Andrew Luck has never had a toy like this. Never. Exactly. Absolutely. And that's the important part. I mean, look at at, the unofficial death chart came out yesterday, and Ryan Grant is listed as the number two wide receiver. And like you said, why is this team not going after Des Bryant? I've, I've been saying that for a while. I think he would be a perfect complement to a guy like a T.Y. Hilton. You know what I mean? In terms of the kinds of wide receivers that they are. Um, but maybe the answer is they think Naheem Hines can do a little bit of work. But remember, Scott and I are both saying Naheem Hines is a guy to definitely keep your eye on. And I would take him even in redraft leagues um, later, in the, later in the draft. I fully believe that in dynasty leagues, listen, Wilkins and Hines are going to be the duo, I think, in 2009. 19. I'm sorry, Marlon Mack. I'm sorry, Robert Turbin. I just don't believe in them necessarily. All right. Um, Listen to this tweet from Jake Arthur. Rookies Jordan Wilkins and Naheem Hines have both been positive so far. Both catch the ball when Wilkins has been able to really open up with the pads on. And Hines has been used pretty much everywhere, showing his versatility. So, uh, you know, something to watch. Marlon Mack has had a pretty good camp, too. But uh, you know, the, the Jake Arthur is the Colts beat writer for mm-hmm. uh, for Colts dot com. Okay, absolutely. Something to check out, and you will be able – and here's the thing, what I'm saying, Scotty, is now with preseason games starting this week, you're going to be able to see it yourself, okay? And you're going to be able to see, like, this kid Naheem Hines, when you see him on TV, you know, kind of in the second quarter of a game when when Jacoby Brissett is throwing him a screen or something like that, and you're going to see it, you're going to be like, oh – this kid is a difference maker, okay? And that's some of the things you're going to start seeing as preseason games start this week in earnest. You know, we've set the Hall of Fame game aside. And, Scotty, our boy Frank Stanfield, one of my best friends forever in the fantasy industry, and, by the way, the guy who drafts right next to me in the Flex League uh, this Saturday, the New York Flex League, I'm, like, right behind uh, Frank Stanfield, so we're going to be creating runs left and right. But he's got a great article over here on the Roto Experts Exclusive Edge package where he talks about some of these camp battles in the AFC and we talk about the Indianapolis Colts running back situation. Listen, we've talked about some other running back situations already today, like the one in New England for example, and how what of a mess that is, right? We have talked on this show at nauseum about Carlos Hyde versus Nick Chubb and the Browns running back, you know, thing as well. We talked about the Denver Broncos running back room. Will Royce Freeman overtake Devontae Booker? One that is not talked about as much that I think is very, very interesting. 
Scott, what are the Bills going to do at quarterback? We talked about how Corey Coleman is a new kind of uh, maybe toy for them to play with, right? But that we still think they are kind of bereft of options. Listen, they sign A.J. McCarron in the offseason, right? Kind of a career backup who's looking to get his shot in Buffalo. But then they double down and they draft in the first round Josh Allen. So I guess the question, you know, we talk about... Baker Mayfield, you believe Sam Darnold could be under center week one. We think Josh Rosen is pro-ready, all this stuff. We know the explosive potential of Lamar Jackson in Baltimore. Josh Allen seems to be of these quarterbacks, the one that people think are maybe the biggest project, you know, that is not the kind of highest buzz on him of all these rookies. And A.J. McCarron is there. I guess Nathan Peterman is there as well, the draft pick from last year. How do you think this battle shakes out up there in Buffalo, Scotty? Right now, uh, public reports are indicating that McCarron seems ticketed to open the season as a starter. And, you know, he's had a solid camp, whereas Allen has had his ups and downs, but some really nice flashes here. McCarron has more NFL experience. You know, they did draft Allen, but let's not forget how hungry McCarron was to start. So I think think McCarron is the guy they look to as their bridge quarterback. But, Mm -hmm. you know, McCarron's looking at looking at like it more as that. You know, he wanted to be traded to Cleveland over Tyrod Taylor. He feels that he could start in the NFL, and he's had he's had a decent camp. So uh, right now, I think it's McCarron. But I think for fantasy perspectives, you're only viewing this in the two quarterback league, and right. you know, in the very in the very last round of a two quarterback league draft, I did take McCarron. Okay, and do you think McCarron holds him off? Like, does McCarron start 16 games for the Bills this year? Like in the odd situation where the rookie quarterback actually sits for a year and watches, do you think like, because, you know, we talk about the fantasy playoffs, right? So I understand it's only very deep leagues, two quarterback leagues. But if you're in a redraft league that is very deep, 14-team super flex, let's say, right? Come the fantasy playoffs, is A.J. McCarron still going to be the Bills starting quarterback? It's <sighs> such a tough prediction because you can't that's why i asked the question and (laughs) and we've never seen mccarran you know really get this chance but except for a brief cup of coffee with the Bengals, in which i think he asserted himself well so Mm -hmm. i remember game monday night in denver if they if they start off zero and seven right you know of course not but my 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 prediction is going to be that i i think I think McCarron's going to be steady enough but the the rest of the, the the defense is pretty good but, and, you know, LaShawn McCoy is still there, at least for now. Right. Uh, I think they're the third best team in the AFC. So, you know, I've got Patriots, Jets, Bills, Dolphins. But they have a lot of holes. So I, th- I say even if he's respectable for the first half, he's not going to finish the season as the starter. Okay, fair enough. And remember, Scott and I both say take the under on the Miami Dolphins and the Buffalo Bills over there on mybookie.ag. So I want to remind everybody, don't forget about the prop builder tool on mybookie.ag, okay? You can go move the line a little bit and really uh, stack the deck in your favor in order to go and get a little bit of extra cash. You can use the prop builder tool over at mybookie.ag. And when you go into mybookie.ag, enter the promo code FANTASY, F-N-T-S-Y, and you can get a 50% deposit bonus. Tell them your boy Speeds, the spitting statistician, sent you. Um, Scott, I got one more camp battle in the AFC that I want to really briefly highlight. And we go over to Oakland, okay? And John Gruden over there, what is he going to do with his running backs? You got Beast Mode, right? Who, to be quite honest, Scotty, in the second half of last year, 
was, you know, a top 15 running back. I had him last year as my RB2, and in the fantasy playoffs, he helped me win a championship, okay? Beast mode there on Christmas night against the Philadelphia Eagles. He helped me win a fantasy championship. But for some reason, Gruden loves him some muscle hamster. He loves Doug Martin. You got Jalen Rashad there. You got D. Washington there as well. How do you think it breaks out in the running back room in Oakland? I think, you know, Lynch, who played better down the stretch, Mm-hmm. And look, he's still got good vision. You know, he's he's got some sure. juke and can still push the pile at the point of attack. He doesn't have mm-hmm. the quickness that he did a few years ago, but I think you know this is certainly uh, a committee here. Doug Martin has more speed, I think, still than than Marshawn Lynch and more burst than Marshawn Lynch has at this point. When you don't have an, a pure superstar number one running back, what you have to do is cobble together different talents to give the running game different dimensions, and you got DeAndre Washington and, you know, Jalen Rashard, Rashard. who are more or more guys, you know, like slashing guys, catch the ball out of the backfield to break a long Ricky Bobby, shake and bake. Yeah, (laughs) yeah. (laughs) That's what I'm going to be going with all year, Scotty. These guys are Ricky Bobby kind of guys, okay? Yeah. I'm about to come at you like a mongoose. This yeah, way you know. Uh, I'm talking shake and yeah. bake. <laughs> yeah, talk, <Go> ahead. <laughs> talking. Help me, Jewish God. Uh, <laughs> help me, Tom Cruise. Uh, <laughs> but, Oakland Raiders uh, running backs, Scotty. Oakland, you throw me off here. Oakland Raiders running backs. <laughs> That's right. Uh, this is really going to be a pure committee, and you can only look at these guys as flexes. And I think Lynch is maybe the only one I really would want. Yeah, fair enough. And here's the other thing, and I think we've said this before too, Scotty. In this day and age where there is so many uh, kind of timeshares and committees, I call them the fantasy herd a lot of times, the one thing that returns the most points is the touchdown, Scotty. And one thing, we could talk about Oakland Raiders running backs and Lynch and Martin and Richard and Washington. One thing I know for damn sure is when they're inside what you call the green zone, I know who they're giving the ball to, Scotty, and that's beast mode, right? So if that is the most kind of like reliable part of the committee, I think Marshawn Lynch does retain some value. I'm comfortable with him as a back-end RB2, and I like him even better in standard scoring. Right, Scotty? Yeah, and then you look at the fact, you know, that he's a, he's a, he's a terrific pass blocker, too. Is, you know, that, that's going mm. to uh, make sure that he stays on the field uh, very often as right. well. So that, that, that's something else that you, you have to consider when talking about uh, Marshawn Lynch, and you know, you look at you look at last year, seven rushing touchdowns. You know, if the offense is a little bit better, and you know, sure. he he, uh, he averaged four point three yards attempt. Uh, you know, he got he, it looked like he got he got more into a rhythm as the year went on after taking a year mm-hmm. off. Absolutely, and now with a full off season there. And remember, you mentioned taking a year off and things like that. He doesn't have as much. Uh, you know, he has had some time off in there. Right. So uh, maybe he's not as uh, as worn out as some of these other kind of backs at his age. I don't you talk know about if Chris I would, Ivory and stuff. I no? don't know if I would say that because his style of running was incredible. It is so violent. Fifth, yeah. So violent and physical. It's a little different true. than Chris Ivory because Chris yeah, Ivory a sabbatical, was like, though. Chris Ivory was like would go out of his way to like, mm-hmm. you know, to deliver a violent hit. You know, yeah. Marshawn knew how to absorb the hit. And, you know, to basically put his head down and keep his feet moving. And everybody's body is different. His body has been able to withstand the pounding more than some others. And here's another running back that dispels the myth about a 30-year-old fantasy running back. Now, look, he's lost a step. But, you know, he's still very physical. 
Yeah, absolutely. I remember the type of running back he is. Maybe that quick burst first step is not as needed because they're going to turn and hand him the ball inside the five. Remember also as this Bay Area native, he's going to be trying to get it done for the Raiders in that in their last year in Oakland. Same to be said, I didn't realize this, Doug Martin also an Oakland native. So maybe uh, Gruden is trying to stack up on hometown guys trying to run for nostalgia before the Raiders move to Las Vegas. All right, Scott, uh, we're about to wrap up here. Remember, here on the Fantasy Sports Radio Network, we got Carton and Friends up next with our guy Craig Carton. We got the Fantasy Executive out there as well. And of course, Michelle Serpico. They're going to be breaking it down for the next couple of hours. Remember, we got the poll question up right now. If you want to let us know which fantasy football position do you kind of consider the opponent the most right now, it's still the wide receivers who are, you know, considering that secondary. Again, this is not about Mike Evans. This is not about Devontae Adams. But maybe in DFS and maybe Maybe with your wide receiver three versus your wide receiver four, you're thinking a little bit about that. Scotty, we also, we have some great team names, but we don't have enough time today to go into them. So we're going to talk about that tomorrow. We're going to make sure we put the fun in functional sports content. But if you have more submissions, hit us up on Twitter at Scotty Roto X, at Spittin' Speeds. Let us know your submissions. And Scott, we'll definitely look at some of these new ones and see if any of them can tap your crack five of carry on my way. Son, Jimmy G Spot, my Ingram toenail Ertz, Henny Alavadka, and of course, make this house my homes. We're gonna see if any of those the new ones crack your top five tomorrow. I'm glad to be back, Scotty. We're off and running. Roto experts in the morning. You have a great rest of the day, alright, Scotty? Alright. Yankees reality check coming up big time next. Yeah, we'll see what happens. But listen, I'll still take Sebi in a one-game playoff uh, against what looks like Oakland. But we'll talk more about that as we move along. Finish this on the radio network.